the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would all the kids and teens up through the 12th grade please come forward. morning. How are you all today? It's almost time for what? For Christmas. And what happens on Christmas? Um, Hmm? We celebrate. celebrate. What do we celebrate? The birth of baby Jesus. Jesus. And who comes and gives us presents? Santa. Santa. And our parents and our friends and Santa and others, right? Yes. And so um, those are sometimes we get wonderful presents, don't we? And does anyone else give presents? Who, you do? You, you going to give me a present, Blake? <laughs> are you giving me a present? Let me ask you this. Who gives the best presents? Is it, if you had to guess, who gives the best presents, Santa or Jesus? Jesus. What what does okay? We know what Santa gives, right? Dolls and tea sets and cars and what dinosaurs and whatever, right? And all those sorts of things. But what does Jesus give us? Salvation. Salvation and what? Life. Life. And what else? And, uh... Salvation is forever and ever, and life is for now and forever. And He gives us strength and love and peace and hope, right? And joy, and these are the things that help us live our lives because of his love, because of him coming and giving himself to us. The greatest gifts in all the world, the the greatest gift is God himself. But he gives us gifts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us so that we can live lives for him with joy and hope and love and kindness and gentleness compassion, and all the things that God wants us to do, to have. He gives that to us. We have to ask for it. Because in this world, a lot of people struggle with having those sorts of things, including us. We struggle because we get impatient, and we get angry, and we get frustrated, and we all kinds of things that just get in the way. But when we ask God for these wonderful gifts that he gives to us, Strength and love and hope and joy and all the wonderful things that forgiveness and all the things that God gives. Boy, it helps us live our lives all the way from your age, all the way to my age, all the way to, I won't say anybody else's name, right? Because until we die, because when we die, we live, right? Because of the gift that God gave us. We believe that. God gives us this tremendous gift. So, yes, it's wonderful to wait for Santa Claus to come to your house, but it's more wonderful to wait for Jesus to come into your life. And he comes every day. He comes to us every day. It's not just one time. He came 2,000 years ago and went away forever. God is with us all the time, isn't he? He sent his spirit to be with us. And so he comes and, and, and he comes and, and we receive him and we love him and we say, thank you, Jesus. And don't forget to say thank you to all the people who give you gifts, okay? 
Maybe you're going to write a note to Santa and say, thank you, Santa, and leave milk and cookies. And if you have any extra milk and cookies, bring them to church, and I'll drink them and eat them, okay? <laughs> all right. Thank you all for coming. If you want to get a packet from Mr. Nick over there, you can grab one and go back to your seat. We don't have children's chapel at this service. So go, to your, go back to your seat in color and, and, and do the puzzles and stuff. And we'll listen to Deacon Kathy. Thank you, sir. Aren't they all so cute? Well, good morning. Uh, as I've told you before, I am unlike Father Stan, who tells these marvelous jokes when he does sermons. Marvelous. I'm not very good at that. So, I, but I can provide you with some tidbits about our language and the origin of some of the phrases that we use today. So back in the day, lead cups were used for drinking ale or whiskey, and the combination could sometimes be very lethal, and it would knock out the drinkers for a couple of days. Sometimes someone walking along the road would find them and think they were dead and prepare them for burial. They were then laid out on a kitchen table for a couple of days, and the family would gather around and eat and drink, waiting to see if they would wake up. Hence, they were holding a wake. That's a true story. With England being old and small, the local folks started running out of places to bury their dead. So they would dig up the coffins, remove the bones, and take them to a bone house and reuse the coffins and the graves. So when reopening the coffins, they found that about one in every 25 had scratches on the inside of the lids, which meant the people were really not dead when they were buried. So this was a problem, so they decided they would tie a string around the person's wrist, thread it up through the coffin, up through the ground, and tie it to a bell. And then someone would sit outside in the graveyard all night long, hence the graveyard shift, and to listen for the bell, and if it rang, the supposedly dead person, known as the dead ringer, and they were saved by the bell. <laughs> Thank you. Father Stan, did you notice? I got applause. <laughs> that was an applause. <laughs> And today in the Old Testament reading in Isaiah, we read about a conversation between Ahaz, the king of Judah, and Isaiah, one of the most well-known beloved prophets in the Bible. The Lord himself had spoken to Ahaz, Ahaz, telling him to ask the Lord for a sign. But Ahaz refused by saying, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. This is where Isaiah steps in and says, Hear now. You house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. 
Now jump forward about 700 years to our gospel reading today in Matthew. The first part of this chapter in Matthew recounted the genealogy of Jesus. There were 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile of Babylon, and 14 from the exile to Christ. That is 42 generations in all from Abraham to Jesus. Matthew goes on to tell the well-known story of how, about, of how the birth of Jesus came about. Matthew tells us that his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Matthew seems to recount this as if it were an everyday occurrence, instead of the shocking revelation that it was. Now, different versions of the Bible use the word betrothed or engaged instead of pledged. Joseph had paid a mohar, which is a bride price, for Mary. And according to Old Testament scholar Douglas Stewart, this was the final step in the courtship process, virtually equivalent in legal status to the wedding ceremony. What a scandal. Mary could have been stoned to death for her alleged adultery, and certainly Joseph would have had every right to divorce her. Even though they had not formally exchanged vows, a betrothal in that culture at that time in history was like being legally married in our culture of today. Reading further in Matthew, we found that because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph obviously loved Mary and did not want her to be killed or disgraced publicly. Also, remember that Mary was once told by the angel that she would give birth to the Son of God, and then she went to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who was also expecting. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months. So, Mary was obviously with child when she saw Joseph again. There was no way to hide her condition now. Joseph felt as if he had no choice but to shame her publicly or to divorce her quietly. But of course, that was not part of God's plan. Matthew recounts that after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine waking up after such a dream? Can you just hear the confusion and the questions that were going on in Joseph's head? Did he question this message at all? Did he still worry about what his family would think? Or what about the neighbors? Or did he trust enough in God to know that this was truly a message from God for him? The angel went on to tell Joseph in his dream, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. There again, we do not know what Joseph thought about this revelation. Did he even question in his mind how his son would save his people from their sins? I can just picture the astonishment and confusion on Joseph's face as thoughts raced through his mind. How could my son do such a thing? How can this be? What will the neighbors think? Of course, once again, we do not know what his thoughts were, but we do know, according to Matthew, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. 
the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. According to the Bible, Joseph was a Jew, so you would assume that at some point or another he would have been to the synagogue or temple and would have heard readings from the scrolls. Had he heard this reading from Isaiah? If he had, did he remember it when the angel spoke to him? We will never know what went on in Joseph's head because there are no recorded words from Joseph in the Bible. But we do know that Joseph was obedient to God's call. Our scripture today goes on to tell us, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph did exactly what the angel from God told him to do. This well-familiar gospel reading was quite a story, and from it we can learn many lessons. Two of the most important of these lessons are trusting in God and obedience to the will of God. God had asked and will continue to ask us to do many things in our lives that we may question, but if we trust in God, we can be sure that what he asks us to do will always be the right thing to do. How do we know that it's God telling us to do something? That's a hard question to answer, but I believe that if we spend time in prayer, God will give us clear guidance on his will for us. Asking others to pray for us also is very helpful. Next is being obedient and following through on whatever it is God wants from us. Being obedient can sometimes seem very difficult, but as the well-worn saying goes, if God brought you to it, he will get you through it. From my own personal experience, I can attest to the fact that trusting in God and obeying him can have unimaginable results. Many of you know this story, but I am sharing it again to show what God did in my life. At the age of 50, God told me in a vision to adopt children. Yes, you heard me correctly. I was 50 years old at that point. And at this point in our lives, my husband and I were basically empty nesters. We had raised our three children. Our two daughters were pretty much on their own, and our son, our youngest child, was away at college. Jim and I were seriously considering moving to Honduras to help with a children's home there that we had helped and, and supported for several years. Jim was sure that God was calling us there and I was willing to be part of that plan. But once God gave me this vision, without a question, I set about to do what he called me to do, even though I had no idea how we were to go about this plan. Thankfully, my husband Jim did not question what now became our new mission together. Fast forward 22 years, and we are now a large, very close-knit family with six children, three birth children and three adopted children, nine grandchildren, five great-grandchildren, and two on the way. If you include all the spouses and significant others, we are a family of 28 and still growing. Thankfully, most of our family lives close enough to be at our house on Christmas Day, and I can't wait. Does this mean God is going to ask you to do something outside of your comfort zone or something you think is impossible? Maybe he already has, and you have said yes, or maybe you're still thinking about it. Maybe it is something you are sure you could never do, 
Or maybe it is as simple as getting to know the person in the pew in front of you that you may have never met. Whatever it is, just be open to the plan that God has for you. Pray about the thoughts and feelings you have and have a willingness to do whatever God has for you to do, no matter how far-fetched it may seem. Keep in mind that not only did Joseph and Mary do what God asked them to do, but there were countless others in the Bible and in our everyday lives, in the everyday world, who have trusted God and been obedient to his plan. Think about the 42 generations from Abraham to Joseph, and they had their own stories and trust of obedience to God. And just think about this. Where would we be if Mary or Joseph had not been obedient to God and carried out the plan that he had for them. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.